Exodus chapter 16, what we are going to see there um, is, let me get this up here for you. Um, what we're going to see is, you see our little subtitle underneath the, the six, Exodus 16, patient with the impatient. We are going to see God, a heavenly father, the heavenly father, obviously, and the way that he deals with his own children. What we are seeing um, in, in Exodus as we go through, what we have the privilege of, of kind of uh, getting a glimpse of, is it's, it's a character study. We're seeing the character of God as he raises children. Um, he has uh, uh, taken his children, the Jews, the Israelites, the Hebrews, he's taken them out of, uh, um, out of Egypt, and they have this brand new life where, where once they were living under the rule of Pharaoh and Egypt. And, and they were still God's people even back then. But they were, their, their daily lives were, um, uh, were, were uh, it, it, was, it was all living under the rule of, of Pharaoh. And so now they are traveling with God. Um, they're following Moses, they're following Aaron, but, but it's God that is daily leading them. And so they've gone from living under the rule of Pharaoh to now being led and living under the rule of God. And, um, and, and so, so they, the children of Israel, are learning how to adjust. How do, they, how do they live in a theocracy where once they lived uh, in, in slavery under oppression, how do they now live under the rule and the, dire the directing of God? And uh, what we see along the way is that um, we see their, 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 their nature, their human nature um, uh, is... is uh, is, is oftentimes revealed to us. But the beauty of that is seeing how God, their, their father, reacts to them. And then the lessons are wonderful lessons because then what that does is it, it shows you and I what God is like. And, and how does he deal with his children? You and I, if you, are, if you are a Christian, then how does he deal with us? Extremely important because we can have all sorts of different ideas about God and who he is and what he does. And, you know, is he angry? Is he mad? Is he happy? Is he, you know, what is he? And uh, through Exodus, we get to see all of that. We've got four main divisions here. Number one is fearful over food, which we'll get to in just a moment. Then we will see the faithfulness of God. In response to the faithfulness of God, we will see the faithlessness of man. And then we will see finally filling a pot. Hmm. Let's get into verse 1. Fearful over food. Verse 1. And they journeyed from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. That might also be called Zin in your Bibles. Um, which is, there's no like, uh, you know, the wilderness of sin. Oh, that's like a, a metaphor or something. No, it was, just, it was actually called the wilderness of sin or zin. And which is between Elim and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So this is a month and a half into the journey. Okay. Most of us like road trips. Some of us are homebodies. We want to be at home, on the couch, you know, a cup of coffee, a cup of hot chocolate, whatever, watching TV, just hanging out, not doing too much. And then there are some of us, many of us who like to be out on the road, you know, wild, set free, and, you know, no boundaries, let's just go for it. But very few of us like to be, even those of us that like to be outside and doing things and on the go and on the move, rarely will you find someone that wants to do that for a month and a half. Like, uh, I went to the, the, uh, my, my trip a couple of years ago, um, mission trip to the Philippines in the summer, and I was gone for like two and a half, two, two weeks or something like that, and I was like done, man. I was like, no, I, you know, this is great, fantastic, incredible beaches, uh, beautiful jungles, I mean, just incredible, but where's my bed? Like, I'm tired of sleeping on this, you know, on this little thin, you know, mat that they have or whatever. It's like, where's my bed? I was ready to go. And, and so even those of us that like to be out, to be out a month and a half, and remember that they're on the move. I understand. It can get rough. It can get, um, it can put you to the test. 
But what we see here, beginning in verse 2, is we see that they begin to complain. Now, why are they complaining? Well, keep in mind that they are fearful over food. Verse 2, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel. excuse me, as I choke to death, complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Now, keep in mind, I'm going to ask you a question here in just a moment. Okay, I'm going to ask for you to, to answer me. I know it's tough. It's almost 12 o'clock. I know I'm asking a lot. You know, you're just waking up. Verse 2, then the whole congregation of Israel, of the children of Israel, complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Okay, here comes the question. The children of Israel complained. Who did they complain against? Verse 2. Moses and Aaron. It's right there, right? They complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Okay? Just wanted to make sure you're paying attention. Verse 3. And the children of Israel said to them, here's what they complained. Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Okay? So they start out their complaint with, I wish that I had just died, that God had just killed me in Egypt. That's how they begin their complaining. I wish that God had just killed me in Egypt. Seriously? Like, like really, like, whatever, whatever you're experiencing, really, it's, like, that's a whole nother level of drama. Like, I wish God had just killed me back then. Really? What are they complaining? What's the problem? Verse 3, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Here it is. When we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So, I mean, you talk about hangry. This is the definition of hangry. Like, oh, I'm so hungry, I wish God would have just killed me. Seriously? Is that bad? You can imagine there's lots of things going on here. Maybe they were hungry. Maybe there really was was a maybe there was a shortage, or maybe maybe supplies were getting getting slim, getting low. It's a month and a half into this journey. When you think about it, God promised to get them from Egypt to free them from slavery and to deliver them to the promised land. But you see, this is where you and I can oftentimes begin to have our faith shaken and destabilized. Because God promised to get them to the promised land. However, he did not promise to get them there by a specific time. And that is oftentimes where you and I will struggle most. Like, I know I'm going to heaven. I know it's wonderful. I've heard, uh, you know, I've read the Bible. I've heard studies on it. It's, it's incredible. But I'm going through all of these difficulties on earth. When are we just, you know, when are we going to get to heaven? There's no promise of the time. It's just the promise that you will, but not the promise that you will get there by a specific time. And that, 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 that stirs, that kills, doesn't it? It just gets in there and it begins to eat away at you. Like how much longer, God, are we, we going to have to put up with this? How much longer is this suffering going to last? And that's where you and I oftentimes see our faith begin to diminish and begin to take a beating. They say, man, we're so hungry we wish that God would have killed us when we were still slaves in Egypt sitting next to a big pot of meat and some bread to the full. Desperate. Desperate. And so they begin to complain. Let me ask you a question. Another question. Who were they complaining against? Moses and Aaron. Yeah, Moses and Aaron. Right? Right? Verse 4 takes us into our second section. So we see them fearful over food, okay? So remember, I told you we're looking at a this is a character study. So how does God, the supposedly he's like the perfect father, perfect heavenly father, how does he respond to this? Let's see. Faithfulness of God beginning in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will, check this out, I will rain bread from heaven for you. My first thought, angel food cake. It's coming from heaven. It must be angels. Angels food cake. I'm picturing like strawberries and whipped cream, and it's going to be incredible. 
right? A bunch, God's going to rain down a bunch of angel food cakes. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Now, two things going on here, and the one that we want to highlight is, how does God respond to the complaining of his people? He responds the way my mom does, right? She just comes in with her chunkla, just swinging <laughs> everywhere and throwing that thing at you as you're running into the bathroom, right? And you better shut your mouth, and you better be thankful for what I'm giving. And is that what God did? No. In fact, the first thing that we see God do, he responds with a promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you some bread. I'm going to give you bread. In fact, this bread is going to rain down from heaven. Now, let me mention something here real quickly, and you're, you're going to see this, but it may be a little bit confusing if I don't mention this. Moses, it is believed that Moses wrote the book of Exodus. He was keeping, uh, you know, an account. Well, his style of writing is to, um, and, and this is not unusual with, with uh, uh, Jewish writers, for them to give us the, the whole story, just in a general sense. This is what happened. And then what will happen is they'll go back and retell the same story, but put in some more detail. Okay, so we're going to see Moses do that. So right now, all we know is that uh, there's supposed to be bread that's going to rain down from heaven. And uh, they'll have to go out and, you know, gather some. And, and at the end of verse 4, don't lose track of this, he says this. He says he's going to tell them that they have a quota. They have a certain quota every day. In other words, God's going to rain down bread. But each individual is responsible for only getting a specific amount. And he does this in verse 4. He says this, I'm doing this so that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And then it goes on to say this, and it shall be on the sixth day. How many days in a week? Seven. All right. You guys are with me. Okay. Seven days in a week. Five days, they're to go out, gather bread. On the sixth day, and it shall be on the sixth day, that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather Daily. So each day they, they were told, go out and gather up enough bread for the day. However, when you go out on the sixth day, gather enough bread for that day and also gather enough for the next day. Now we go, why? Well, as I told you, Moses is going to give us the full story and then he's going to come back and give us some more detail. So we'll get some more detail. Just be patient. All right. Anyways. So they're to go out and gather just, just a certain amount of bread, okay? But he's going to test them. Now, just a little side note, and I, I wish that we could spend more time on this, but we can't. Uh, I need to mention this and move on. But, but you and I need to understand, we need to have this in our minds, that what we have been blessed with, we also need to be, uh, we need to use that responsibly. We need to use that responsibly. I mean, how many people have won the lottery only to end up in debt within a couple of years? Because what they got, what they received, they did not use it wisely. They, they were not responsible with it. And God says, he's telling Moses, listen, I'm going to feed the people. That's a promise. But also in feeding them, I'm going to test them to see, to see where they're at. This is something that a good dad does. All of us have seen the videos where the little child is left at the table with, you know, maybe it's a, a piece of candy or some, you know, a, a, some little sweet little item or something. And, and, and the, the child is told, listen, um, I've got to go to the bathroom real quick. I'm going to leave this here. Don't eat it. If you leave it alone, when I get back, I'll give you two pieces. And the parent takes off, leaves the room, camera's rolling. Camera's rolling. Isn't that funny? Cameras don't roll anymore. Okay? But video's going, uh, recording, and, you know, sometimes you'll see the little kid, like, just sit patiently and wait. Parent gets back. Kid gets hooked up with two pieces. But sometimes you'll see the kids, like some of you, like, snatch and eat it while you can. Right? So God is testing his kids to see, let's, let's see where they're at. Okay? So he's going to, he's going to provide. He's, he's given this promise of provision. 
Verse 6, Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. Hmm. Okay. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. Now hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Verse 7. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he has heard your complaints against the Lord. Now, wait a minute. I asked all of you, and you told me that the people were complaining against Moses and Aaron. Isn't that what you told me? Why did you tell me that? That's what it says. Right? They complained against Moses and Aaron. You were not wrong in telling me that. Okay? However, as Moses is talking to the people, he says, listen, God is promising to provide. In the morning, you're going to see his glory, for he has heard your complaints against him. Whoa, we're going to blow away, man. Hang on to that door. You might fly away. For he hears your complaints against the Lord. Look what Moses goes on to say. But what are we that you complain against us? Also, Moses said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat uh, meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. So uh, the, the reason I was making such a big deal out of asking you earlier, who were they complaining against Moses and Aaron? You were, you were correct in that. They were complaining against Moses and Aaron, but a little lesson, a little side note, no, there's a bunch of these, is that Moses, when they complained against him, did not take it personally. He was responsible for taking what God said to him and giving it to the people. He was representing the people to God, but also representing God to the people. When they complained against him, Moses realized they're not complaining against me. This is not my idea. Remember that Moses did not even want to go to Egypt. Remember that? He's like, no, I don't, I don't want to go. He finally told God, no, send somebody else. I don't want to go. And God's like, no, you're going. And so what we'll do is we'll send Aaron with you. We're going to send someone to speak for you. But, but, but this was not his idea. It was not his idea to march through the wilderness for a month and a half with these people. So when they begin to complain against him, he realizes it's not against me. This is not my thing. It's God's. They're complaining against God. Why is that a lesson for you and I? Because rejection rejection, the fear of rejection, is what oftentimes will keep you and I from sharing God with someone else. Because we are afraid of their reaction, we are afraid that they are going to reject us. And the reality is this, that they may. But the secret for you and I is to realize they may have rejected me. Maybe they got mad at me. Maybe they told me whatever. You know, I, I, maybe they told me I, I, I'm, I'm stupid or I got bad breath or they hate me or whatever. I don't know, whatever they told me. But the trick or the, 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 the secret is to remember that, look, all I'm doing is telling you that this is what God's word says right here. That's all I'm doing. If you don't like it, you can, I mean, you can come and complain to me. What am I supposed to do? You want me to rewrite it? It, it says what it says. Let me share something with you. Pastor Chris does not necessarily like the command, thou shall not bear false witness. I feel like sometimes it would be easier to just lie to people. <laughs> to like just, you know, you know, just kind of like, you know, you know, hey, uh, listen, how does this, how, how does this, you know, how does this, this, this new sweater make me look? Fantastic, you know. I feel like it would just be easier to just be like, no, that looks great. It would save me all kinds of heartache. Okay? 
But because I don't like it, does that mean it shouldn't be there? It is what it is. It says what it says. It's, it's there. I can't do anything about it. I may not like it, but that's what God's word says. And these people may not like the position that they are in, but it wasn't Moses who told them to go there. Moses didn't even want to go. It was God who was leading this rabble. It was God who was leading this show. And it's important for you and I to remember that when and if people do reject me, and I know that's hard to deal with for some of us, that they're not, in reality, they're not rejecting you, although they may stop talking to you or, God forbid, they may unfollow you on Instagram or whatever, but they, they, they may get angry, but their anger is actually directed at God, and Moses understands that here. He knows, look, this is not my show, man. This is God. God's doing all of this. So, you know, and I like what he does here several times. Verse 7, um, he, says, he says, In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against him. But what are we that you complain against us? And then in verse 8 again, look at this. This shall be seen when the, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And who are we? Or what are we? Your complaints are not against us but against the Lord. Now imagine, imagine Moses is talking to you and he says this. He says, listen, uh, God heard your complaining. And you're like, what? And then he does this. He tells you, yeah, and uh, he wants to talk to you. <laughs> what would you say? Like, uh, no, I, <laughs> that was not me. That was Matt Perry. I was not complaining. Okay? I didn't complain. Look at verse 9. Then Moses spoke to Aaron. Say to all the congregation and the children of Israel, tell them all, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. In other words, hey, God wants to see you because he heard your complaints. Do you want to go to that, that meeting? I do not want to go to that meeting. No, thanks. Never mind. Was I complaining? <laughs> I, was just, <laughs> I was not complaining. That was not me. <laughs> Sorry about that. Please forgive me, God. Have mercy. You know, it's like, no, I don't, I don't want to go to that meeting. Can, can you imagine? You know, sometimes when, when you've done something, and then mom or dad are like, hey, I want to talk to you. Your heart, remember it was up here, it leaked out of your shoes, right? It just, it's gone. You're filled with dread and terror and fear, and you just, you don't, it's like, no, I don't, I don't want to go to that meeting, right? Because you know that you're going to be busted, disgusted, can't be trusted. He says, hey, come near before the Lord, because God heard your complaining. Right? Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that they are about to get a whooping? Is that what that's all about? No. Let's find out what God does. But the first thing that we see there in God's faithfulness is a promise. They complain. He responds with a promise. What's the next thing that he does beginning in verse 10? This is a trip. He gives them his presence. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness. And guess who was out there in the wilderness? Behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. In case you're not sure, like, is, what, is that like the apple cloud? Like, what, I don't understand. Is he in there with all of my photos? And video? Where, what, is, what are you talking about? God, we were told earlier in Exodus that as he's leading the people out of Egypt, his presence was in a, a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke. God was in that. That's how he shrouded himself. He couldn't just, you know, pop out and just walk around like, hey, I'm God, because uh, probably everybody would have just immediately been destroyed when they saw his glory that way. So he shrouded himself that way for the protection of the people. And when they looked toward the wilderness, there was the glory of God appearing in the cloud. And they knew that it was the presence of God. Incredible. Now, let's take a step back for just a moment. The people complained against God. Would have been better for you to just kill us in Egypt and leave us, you know, leave us there next to, you know, I just wanted to die next to a pot of meat and some bread. So how does God respond? Does he come in just whipping and slapping and yelling and judging? And does he do all of that? No. So far, he has responded with a promise and with his own presence. 
You've complained. Heard your complaint. I'm going to provide for you. But also, I want you to know that I'm still here with you. It's not just Moses. It's not just Aaron. But I'm here with you. We move on. Verse 11. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So we get a little bit more detail. They've got God's promise of provision. They've got his presence. And we get a little bit more detail there that at twilight, they're going to have meat. And then in the morning, they're going to get bread. And then he says at the end of verse 12, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, he says. He wants for the people to understand who he is, who they belong to, who is providing for them. This is extremely important. When I know who my earthly father is, when I know that my earthly father loves me and is providing for me, I gain confidence in that. Some of you have fantastic earthly fathers who have provided much for you. He works hard. He provides money for nice clothes, beautiful clothing. Those look great. Food. Transportation. Safety. I mean, how many of you lay down at night and just wonder, oh my goodness, I hope, you know, that somebody doesn't come in here and just, you know, just kill us all or, you know, you don't, many of us don't worry about that because, well, if something happens, dad, dad's down, man. He's crazy. He'll, he'll get him, right? <laughs> we don't worry about that. We know who our dad is. And he takes good care of us. And from that comes confidence. I coached soccer for a long time. I remember a dad coming to me one time. He's like, man, he's coaching his own son. He says, my son won't listen. He just runs wherever he wants, and you know, he, won't, he won't do what the rest of the team's doing. He says, I don't know what to do with him. I said, dude, the problem is he knows that you love him. That's the problem. And so he figures, man, my dad's the coach. I can do whatever I want. Confidence. Now, that was aimed wrong. But that little boy understood, my dad loves me, man. I'm running the show. He understood that. Now, he needed to be, you know, uh, 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 corrected. But, but do you, you understand what I'm saying? He, God wants for his own people to know, listen, I'm the Lord. I, I, I'm going to provide for you. Man, you got no worries. Just, just, just go along for the ride. What do you got to worry about? Isn't that great? Isn't that great when you got a dad taking care of you and he says, hey, listen, we're going on a road trip. You don't freak out thinking, uh, you know, uh, well, where are we going to stop to eat? And, you know, how are we going to, and where are we going to, uh, you don't worry about that. You're just like, hey, dad's, dad's in charge, man. Dad's, we're cruising and just, you know, I know dad likes to eat, so I know we're going to stop and eat good. And so you don't have any worries about that. Some of us don't have, we don't have dad at home. And so there are challenges that go along with that. And you know intimately what may be missing and what it's like not to have a dad at home. And maybe there's a lack of confidence in different areas or whatever, so you understand. What did God say? That he will be a father to the fatherless. Wonderful news. Fantastic. Even if you don't have a dad, God will be a father to the fatherless. Wonderful news, but the idea is this, when it all gets down to it at the end of verse 12, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. It's not just, you know, you're going to know who I am, you're going to know my name. But you're going to know what goes along with that. Provision and promise and presence. And in verse 13, what does God do? When the people complain, he gives them a promise, he gives them his presence, and he gives them 
provision. Verse 13. Remember I told you Moses would, he would kind of give us the, the whole general idea and then he'll come back and give us some more info. So at first we were told you're going to get bread from heaven. Then we were told you're going to get meat in the evening and bread in the morning. And then we were told at twilight you're going to get meat. Now we find out exactly what he was talking about in verse 13. So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. I just heard in between services, Matt Perry talking about a couple of weeks ago, his front yard was filled with quails. He's like Moses. <laughs> just came out in the morning, there's quail out there. Probably told his family, hey, just walk around and pick up the quail. That's what that was for dinner. They would go out at night and there would be quail. The children of Israel would go out and there's quails all over the place. Not dead. I mean, they had to go and get the quails and, you know, I'm sure it was a gruesome sight or whatever gruesome scene, but everybody's going to... So what has God provided for them? Number one, he's provided meat for them. That's what he said he was going to do. That's what he's done. So every night at evening, at twilight, meat is provided. The second thing he provides, verse 14, manna. Check this out. And when the layer of dew lifted... There on the surface of the wilderness, we're talking about the morning now, quail at night, bread and, uh, 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 manna in the morning. Manna in the morning. It sounds like cereal. Manna in the morning. On the surface of the wilderness was a small, round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. Now, the first thing that my mind goes to, my strange little mind, is when, you're, when you are uh, taking communion... Communion during COVID. You get that little cup of juice. It's just a little tiny thing. And on the top, the cup is sealed. And on the top of the seal, there's a, an additional little seal that you, you pull open the seal and there's a little wafer in there. Anybody ever seen that before? Anybody ever seen that before? You see, you guys have been so blessed, you, don't have, you haven't had to eat that cardboard thing. Because you pull it out and it's like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then you, you they're like, okay, let's, take, let's partake of the bread. You pull that thing back and put it in you're like, oh, what? Is this like recycled school paper? What is this? That's the first thing I think of. However, look what it goes on to say. That it was as fine as frost on the ground in verse 14. And in verse 15, so when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, they said, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Can you imagine like what? These things? This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Here's what he says about this manna. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. Pay attention to this. One omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his, his tent. So, Instructions, clear instructions. There's this fine, frosty stuff on the ground. You go out in the morning and you get an omer's worth. And you put that in your pot and you are to get one omer for every person in your family. Okay? So if you've got a big family, you've got to get enough omers, enough, enough uh, 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 omers for, you've got to have one omer for each person in your family. If you've got a small family or you're by yourself, then you just get one omer for yourself. It's one omer for every single person. And then you take, now I don't know, we're going to find out, it's pretty funny later on, we're going to be told, oh, by the way, an omer is, uh, what's he going to say? Um, he's going to say, um, now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. It's all so clear now. I have no idea what an ephah is, okay? So these are measurements and had, uh, yes, you've got an answer for us. I know you do. Come on, preach. Um, an omer would be like about two quarts. Okay, two quarts. That was more than I was thinking. I did not look into omer to see what it was, um, how much it was. So about two quarts. That's, that's a good amount. Two quarts of bread every day. Okay? So, so each person, um, they were supposed to get one omer of this manna. Then the children of Israel in verse 17 
did so and gathered some more, some less. So they, they got what they were supposed to get. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over. And he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. Isn't this cool? Ladies? Isn't that cool? Ladies. The guys were told, get out there and get breakfast. <laughs> right? Get it going. Right? You hang out. You wait for him to get back. Like, let's go. I'm hungry. But he was to go out and gather enough for those that he was caring for. And each person, as long as they got an omer for every single person, then everyone was fed enough. Okay? However, remember what God said. I am going to provide, a promise to provide, and in that I am going to test them. Verse 19 takes us into our third section, where we see the faithlessness of man. You see, all of this was built on the, or, or it was the honor system. There wasn't like some police officer walking around. Is that more than an omer? You know, let me see it. Let me weigh it. You know, walk around the scale or, a, you know, anything. It was just, it was all, it was all on, on, the, on the honor system. Now, you know how that goes, right? Honor system doesn't work so well because people are not honorable, right? You ever been in a Nerf war? Yes? Honor system. Like, if you got shot, man, you got to just call it, right? And you got that one friend that you shot him or her like 30 times. Like, no, you didn't shoot me. I didn't feel it. What? And then everybody was like, no, I saw him. You know, they shot you like 30 times. No. What? Laser tag. Uh, uh, airsoft is the worst, right? I mean, at least the nerf dart, you can, you can see that. I mean, it's big enough. Paintball, dude, come on. It's, it's on, you know, it's on your shirt. No, I didn't get shot. What? Right? Laser tag, at least maybe you have like a little beeper thing and it beeps or whatever. But airsoft, it doesn't leave a mark. You, you don't know. And the person's just like, no, I didn't get shot. Dude, like you got shot 50 times. What are you talking about? No, I didn't get shot. Where? Where? Forget it. Forget it. You know, it's like, I'm not inviting you next time. Listen, honor system. How did it work out? Well, we see from our subtitle there, The Faithlessness of Man. Let's look at it in verse 19. It says this, And Moses said, Let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. What a surprise. But some of them left part of it until morning. Exactly what they were told not to do. And check this out. And it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. It's like leaving French fries overnight, right? You get a burger, you get a hot dog, you get some kind of, you know, some stuff you can leave overnight, you warm it up the next day, it's good to go. French fries, oh, like eat them all now, right? Because they, you can't eat those things cold, nasty. These bread worms and stank, and God caused that to happen on purpose to keep the people from leaving it overnight. Why? Why would God do that? He wants daily Dependence on him. Daily dependence. Not a weekly dependence. Not a, you know what, thank you so much, God. See you next month. But a daily dependence. And he fosters that. Look, verse 21. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. Get it. Get your omer now, because it's going to melt. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, remember? And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses, hey, we got, we got our two omers, what do we do now? Verse 23, then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest. So they're, they're gathering on the sixth day. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest. Now, in case you like cool little things like this, this is the first time that the word Sabbath is used in the Bible. As you begin from the beginning, Genesis, go through Exodus, this is the first time it's used. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest. It simply means a day off or an intermission. A holy Sabbath 
to the Lord. Now, don't you love that? Like, hey, um, you get a day off, and this is like a religious day off, like a holy day off. Like, you can just bum it all day long because God said so. Isn't that cool? Now, I know what's going to happen. You're going to try and use that on your parents. Like, Tuesday, you don't get up. You're not, you know, they're like, hey, how come he's not, you know, how, how come she's not on, you know, doing her classwork or whatever? They go in to find you, like, what are you doing? Your classes are happening. No, it's my Sabbath rest. God gave me this holy Tuesday to just take the day off. No, no. This was for these people, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourself all that remains to be kept until morning. Every bit of this. It was daily dependence on God. However, on the sixth day, your faith had to be active because God said, gather enough for two days and I want you to prepare it and then leave it overnight till the next day. Now, they already tried that. The last time that they left stuff out overnight, it grew what? Worms. It went bad. Now we're being told to leave it overnight on the sixth day only. By faith, they had to trust. They had to believe that what the instructions that they were given, that they were going to hold true. Their faith is being tested. Listen, what I have been given, I, it, 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 it comes with responsibility. As I look around, all of you have very nice outfits on. You've got your winter uh, clothing on, you know, sweatshirts, hoodies, whatever. you got your jackets, your boots, your whatever. Everybody looks like they're well taken care of. Now, the majority of us in this room do not work. I mean, you don't go to a job, you don't go make money. So that would imply that many of us, the majority of us in here, are being supported by someone else. It's a good thing. Try to hold on to that as long as you can, okay? You have been blessed with much. There comes some responsibility with that. I'm going to give you a real quick practical application. If you find that you are being supported, clothing, food, safety, you're being supported by someone else, like a mom, a dad. When that mom or dad says to you, hey, listen, uh, can you take the trash out? The response shouldn't be, can't you see I'm in the middle of a game? <laughs> I can't stop this. I'll get to it when I'm done. No, my response should be, oh, man. You give me food, you clothe me, you feed me, you give me safety. I can stop this for a second. Let me go take the trash out. You've been given much. What are you doing with it? As you get older and begin to make your own money, then you can finally buy what you want to buy, right? You can pay for your own things, man. You can live. You can just, you can adult, right? You can be grown. Now what? What are you going to do with what you have? What you're working and earning, now what? What are you going to do with that? What you've been blessed with? What are you going to do with that? You're going to use it just on yourself or are you going to bless some other people with some of it? So they here were, 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 were being put to the test. They've been given something. Would they handle it correctly? So in verse 24, they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded, and it, check this out, it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. So they, as long as they by faith trusted what Moses was telling them, then everything was good. Verse 25, then Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath there will be none. Now it happened. Okay, I'm sorry, I did not put this up there. So the first thing that we see is that they disobeyed orders. Remember that early on when Moses said, don't leave it overnight, and they left it overnight. That's how they respond. Now, the second thing is that they disregarded God's blessing. Verse 27, now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. 
right? You know those people, right? What they were told not to do, they go ahead and do it. Little brother, little sister, right? Mom and dad told you not to do that. Why would you do that? But they do it anyways. These were the people in verse 27 that were not operating in faith. It was honor system. Well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get mine, right? Honor system. I heard that some of you had, like, you left bowls of candy out on Halloween. People come and buy trick-or-treat. They can just take whatever they wanted. Wow. We cannot do that in the Dino. They would take all the candy and the container. We can't do that. Honor system. It's not going to work in some places. And here it was not working. Honor system. Listen, gather this much. You know, uh, don't leave it overnight. They gathered, you know, they didn't, they left it overnight. You know, don't, they were just, they're, 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 they're disregarding, disobeying and disregarding. That's their response to the faithfulness of God. How sad. But some people struggle with that. Verse 28. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you, re you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Why is, he, why is he scolding Moses? Well, Moses, again, is the representative. C, verse 29, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. Stay inside, rest. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like white coriander seed. Here it comes. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. How many of you like honey? Biblical right there. Those are real Christians. Honey, right? I love honey. Now, lastly, let's finish this thing up. And what we see is them filling a pot. What's this all about? Then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it. To be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. So what does he want? God actually wants them to fill a pot with manna so that they can remember God's faithfulness. And Moses said to Aaron in verse 33, take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years. That's a lot of manna. Until they came to an inhabited they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. So if an omer is two quarts, how much is an ephah? Does it say anything there? Okay, you look for it. You look for it. They were to remember God's faithfulness by filling that pot. So that I could say, no, listen. God really did give us manna. And then the little kids would be like, what is manna? Come on, I'll show you. There's a pot over here. What? I thought he did that 40 years ago. Yeah, but check this out. The manna is in the pot and it's still fresh. And you take the little kids over there and you should check this out. This is manna. How much is it? I got it. So an omer is about two liters. Two liters, okay. And is about 22 liters. Woo, okay. Two liters. Uh, and, and ephah is about 22 liters. Okay. Okay, very good. Thank you very much. So it gives you an idea of what, what the amounts that they were dealing with. So they were to take this omer and keep it so that they could tell future generations, oh, this is what God really did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Check this out. See, they didn't have Instagram back then. You know how it's like, if, is it on Instagram? No, then it didn't happen. Right? If it's on Instagram, then it's true. So they, they weren't able to just like, oh, no, seriously, let me show you my post from, you know, 2016 and go back and like, no, here it is. So they had an omer that they would actually carry around with them, a pot uh, with manna in it, so they could go back and remember, look, this is, this, is, this is proof, this is what God did. Because God wanted them to remember forever his love for the people. He wanted them to know the time that you complained and you worried and you were fearful, I responded 
with promise, with my presence, and with provision. Not in anger, not in judgment, but with love and compassion. Listen, there are times when you and I, we will be disobedient to God, we will fail Him in some way, our faith will fail. And we can get into that dangerous place of when we fall short, when we fail, of condemning ourselves. Like, man, I blew it. I'm, I'm not a good enough Christian. And that can take us to other places like, God must be angry with me or upset with me or mad at me. No doubt God is going to withhold his blessing from me. But in this character study, we learn the character of God. That his response to the faithlessness of mankind is his own faithfulness. That he does not forsake you and I. That he does not get angry at us and want to judge us. But that he remains faithful to provide. That he remains faithful to give his presence to us. I don't mean his gifts. He gives that too. But I'm talking about his very own presence. He's still with us. He doesn't leave us. He wanted the Israelites to know that when they looked toward the wilderness, oh, God is still, we complained, but God is still there. God hasn't left. And it may be that you have found yourself in some wilderness wandering around like, man, I, I, I'm just getting off track here. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I can feel myself making these bad choices. And uh, I'm surely by now, God is nowhere in sight. I can't see him. And then out in the middle of the wilderness where you think you're just all alone and you've been forsaken and God's not there and he must be angry with me. All of a sudden, bam, there he is. You must remember there will be times when you will begin to condemn yourself or Satan will show up and want to start whispering things to you. Like, oh, you really blew it. You're not a good Christian. I say join the club. It's what we specialize in, but God specializes in having mercy. God specializes in not leaving us. Be encouraged this morning, Fusion, that sin is never okay. Never. It is never excusable. However, God is greater. He's got more mercies to cover all of that. God is greater than our condemnation. God is greater than the condemnation that Satan might, might try and hit us with. God loves you passionately and permanently. He will not stop that. He will not stop loving you. He will not forsake you. What wonderful news. And we're learning this from all of these Jews that were complaining out in the wilderness somewhere way back in Exodus chapter 16. Really? Yes, because God is the same yesterday, today, and help me out, forever. Tomorrow, the idea is forever. God does not change. God does not change. The president may change, but God does not change. He cannot be voted in or voted out. He cannot be touched with human hands. There is no meddling with God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, passionately and permanently in love with us. Let's pray.